To make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. Why do believers in Yeshua continue to sin? Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. The Messiah of Israel, the Master Yeshua, was named for the very thing God sent him here to do. He will save his people from their sins. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. He was pierced for our violations, crushed for our guilt. Messiah died for our sins so he could take away the sin of the world. So what is this sin from which we've been saved? And why do we as believers keep going back to it? Today I want to talk about what it practically means for believers in Yeshua to be saved from sin and the change in your thinking that you need to make in order to truly enter into that freedom today. So let's jump right in and start by getting a good biblically-based definition of the concept of sin. And we can start in Deuteronomy chapter 9. Here we find Moses recalling what he said to Israel after the golden calf incident. And in verse 16, he says, And I saw and look, you had sinned against Adonai your God. You had made to yourselves a molten calf. You had quickly turned aside from the way which Adonai the Lord had commanded you. So to sin is to turn aside from God and his commands. It's to go the wrong way, to walk in a direction other than where God says to go and to do things that are opposed to what God says to do. Think about it like this. God is our goal. Yeshua is who we're aiming at. And when we follow his way by doing what he says, we're moving toward him. Sin, on the other hand, causes us to walk the other way, away from God, to do things that are against what he says. It causes us to miss the path that God's laid out for us and therefore to miss the goal. Another example of this definition is found in Acts chapter 3, verses 19 through 20, where Peter is speaking in the temple to his fellow Jews saying, Reform therefore and return for the blotting out of your sins so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of Adonai. So here, Peter is telling the people that God will blot out their sins. He will completely wipe them away and not count them against them. If they reform, that is, to change their direction, to repent. And if they return, if they come back to God through Yeshua. So it's the same idea as before. Peter is telling them that they're sinners. They've been going the wrong way, away from God. And now they need to change direction, to stop sinning, by walking back toward God. So simply put, when we sin, we're missing God. We're going the wrong way because we've turned away from him and started doing things that are contrary to what he's told us to do. Now, there are two other biblical concepts that we often see in relation to sin, which can help us to qualify our sinfulness. Psalm chapter 32, verse 5, for instance, is just one place where we see all three of these terms together. And it says, I caused you to know my sin, and I have not covered my guilt. I have said, I confess to Adonai concerning my violations, and you, you have taken away the guilt of my sin. So in addition to sin, we now have guilt and violations. More traditionally, iniquity 
and transgressions. So let's unpack these terms. We'll begin with guilt. Going all the way back to the beginning, we know that for Cain, before he became the first murderer, God saw that he was filled with anger. And he warned Cain in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, that sin was crouching at his door. And after he killed his brother Abel, apparently having been motivated by the rage in his heart, God cursed him and made him to wander the earth for the rest of his life. Then a few verses later in 13 and 14, Cain says to God, Greater is my guilt than I can be carrying. Look, you have driven me today from off the face of the ground, and from your face I am hidden. So guilt then speaks to the consequences of sin. In this instance, Cain's sin of committing murder carries with it a long-term future punishment. He's driven away from God, condemned as a fugitive. So it's not simply guilt in terms of having feelings of guilt. It's being saddled with the consequences of being guilty. This is why when we commit a crime or and are found guilty, that guilt comes with a penalty. Maybe it's just a fine. Maybe it's imprisonment. Sometimes it's death. So the guilt from sin is so significant that its effects are felt long after the act is committed. In this sense, guilt is a form of punishment. Being guilty defines the quality of a sinner's life. But while guilt speaks to the consequences of sin, violations, on the other hand, may speak to their quantity. Let's take a look now at Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13, which says, One who is covering his violations will not prosper, but he who is confessing and abandoning them receives compassion. So a violation is more than the physical, material, sinful act that's been committed, a misdeed or a transgression of a biblical command. Once the violation is made, it becomes a thing that can subsequently be acted upon. In this instance, it can be covered up. We can try to hide what we did. Or it can be confessed and abandoned. Now, obviously, a violation at this point doesn't retake physical form, but it's a countable thing nonetheless. It's something that exists spiritually within us, occupying a place in our hearts and minds. Unless something or someone can take it away from us. So for every violation then, there's a command that's been violated and these violations stack up against us. So violation speaks to the quantity of sin in that we can count or number them in relation to the commands that we've sidestepped. Violation is a form of rebellion against God, missteps we make as we turn away from him. So to summarize, to sin is to miss God. It's to go the wrong way because we've turned aside from him and his word. Guilt describes the nature of why we missed God. It deals with the motivations and intentions of our heart and mind, which affects what we deserve as punishment for going the wrong way and the consequences of our being guilty for making those choices. And violation tells us to what degree and by how much we've missed God. What commands have we violated? How many times have we done it? And how often do we keep doing it? So violation and guilt are qualifying aspects of the broader concept of sin. They address the means and the results of sin, which separate us from and cause us to lose sight of God. So now we've got a problem, because if Yeshua saves us from our sins, if he died for them and takes them away, forgiving our violations and removing our guilt, 
then why do we continue to sin? As believers in Yeshua, sin is supposed to be something that's left to our past, something from which we've been set free. This is what Paul's talking about, for example, when he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Messiah, he is a new creature. The old things have passed away. Look, he has become new. So if we're in Messiah and we've become new, then why do we keep hanging on to old things, namely sin? Let's see if we can find out what's so new about being a new creature and what it is about the old things that keep us going back to our past. We'll do this by taking a look at Paul's letter to the Romans, specifically chapters 5 through 8. You should read it for yourself, but here's a brief overview of what he has to say. Paul teaches us that through the disobedience of Adam in the beginning, we were made sinners. Death passed through to all men in that all sinned, and we became slaves to the sin. And at that time, by virtue of our being human beings, we lived solely according to our natural state, which is what Paul calls being in the flesh. The passions of the sins were working in our members to bear fruit to the death. In other words, because of the inclinations of our physical, temporal nature, sin can take advantage of our built-in weaknesses as humans. That part of us where sin can get in and gain access is called the flesh. But something changed when we came to believe in Yeshua. Instead of sin leading to our eternal death, we died to our sin. Because in our still being sinners, Messiah died for us. He took our place, and we were no longer responsible to suffer forever for our guilt. And at that point, we were made right before God. Through Yeshua's obedience, we were made righteous. When that happened, it created a separation within us, a distinction within ourselves between what Paul calls the old man or the old self and the new man or the new self. When we were made right before God, our old self, who we used to be before Yeshua, was crucified with him and made useless for the purpose of no longer serving sin. And since the old self was now dead, we were set free from our sin. And at that moment, we were no longer slaves to sin. We could now choose to not let sin reign in our mortal body to obey its lusts. And in our new self, we became slaves to God. As a new creature then, we are no longer supposed to walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit of God. We set our minds not on the things of the flesh, but on the things of the Spirit, on the things above. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1-3, through 3, If then you were raised with the Messiah, look for the things above, where the Messiah is seated at the right hand of God. Have in mind the things above, not the things upon the earth. For you died, and your life has been hidden with the Messiah in God. So as a new creature in Messiah, we're no longer supposed to be in our flesh, entertaining and acting upon our fleshly impulses. We're supposed to instead be focused on the things above, who Yeshua is, what he's done for us, and what he's still doing. We're supposed to be pursuing holiness, righteousness, and truth. As a new creature, 
We're no longer supposed to be hostile toward God and his word, but submitted to him. And so with this renewal of our mind, by living according to the spirit, we're to put to death the deeds of the body. And now here's where it starts really getting deep. We have within us now three separate entities, the old self, the new self, and in between them, the flesh. Though the old self was made dead through Yeshua's death on our behalf, we bring it back to life whenever we obey our flesh, whenever we listen to the lure of our bodies and minds. Now, how can that be possible? If the old self is supposed to be dead, how can we still be susceptible to the old ways of the flesh? Because I myself indeed serve the Torah of God with the mind, but with the flesh, I serve the Torah of sin. Romans chapter 7, verse 25. Now, don't get thrown off by Paul's use of the word Torah here. Paul also talks about the Torah of the spirit of the life in Messiah Yeshua and the Torah of the sin and of the death in Romans chapter 8, verse 2. So Paul's not talking here specifically about the written commands of Torah. What he's saying when he says that with the flesh I serve the Torah of sin is that just as God commands and teaches us and the spirit also teaches us, so does sin. And that's why our flesh wants to do what sin says. What all this means then is that who we used to be before Yeshua, our old self, is dead. But our flesh, our natural inclination, lives on, enslaved to sin. For as long as we live in this mortal body, our flesh will also always remain alive. We, in our spiritual new creation selves, were set free from sin. But our flesh is still there, watching, waiting. And when we give into it, we're digging up our old man. We're taking him down from the execution stake. We're resurrecting our past selves in rebellion against Yeshua's life-saving work within us. So what do we do? Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 through 24, you are to put off the old man concerning the former behavior that is corrupt according to the lusts of the deceit and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new man, which according to God was created in righteousness and undefiledness of the truth. Yeshua has set us free from sin, but because we still live in these bodies of flesh, we also have the freedom to put on the old self at will, to clothe ourselves in that nasty, disgusting skin as unholy and insane as it is. We're not supposed to do it, and it only hurts us when we do, but it's something we're still capable of, and that's why we continue to sin. In Messiah, we're a new creature, and we're living as that new man, that new self, when we walk according to the Spirit rather than the flesh, Romans chapter 8, verse 4. The new self is no longer defined by a life of habitual sin, because we're now slaves to God and with our minds, slaves to his teachings and his commands. But when we sin and turn away from God and walk instead according to our flesh, we become that old self again, leaving us with no choice but to again live in sin, voluntarily enslaving ourselves to that from which we have already been 
set free. But here's the good news. While our flesh remains enslaved to sin, sin is no longer our master. And in our new self, we've been completely severed from it. Our flesh hasn't changed, but our relationship to it has. We're no longer the old self controlled by our flesh. We are made new and are now free to walk in the spirit of the Messiah. So the reason we continue to sin as believers in Yeshua is not because we're still bound to it, but because our flesh still is. As Paul says in Romans chapter 7, verses 17 through 18, and now it is no longer I that bring it about, but the sin living in me, that is, in my flesh. We sin because instead of walking in the Spirit, setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, focusing on Yeshua, obeying God's Word, walking contrary to our desires, we instead choose to return to our old ways. When we sin, it's because we've turned and walked away from who God has changed us to be. 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 tells us as forcefully and plainly as possible that everyone who is remaining in him, that is Yeshua, does not sin. But everyone who is sinning has not seen him, nor has he known him. This establishes a clear, bright line for us as followers of Yeshua. Not sinning requires us to remain in him, to actively pursue God and walk in his ways. But if we're instead actively, habitually sinning, then that means we don't actually know him. And that should really concern us. Continuing to sin is a huge problem for believers in Yeshua, not just because it's hostile behavior toward God and runs contrary to who we're supposed to be in Messiah, but because it distorts the way we perceive our salvation and puts our eternal lives in jeopardy. And that's why it's so dangerous for us when we either forget that we still have our flesh or when we simply embrace it as part of who we think we still are. Dealing with sin in the flesh isn't simply a matter of resisting and fighting our thoughts and desires. On the contrary, we will always fall short when we try in our own strength to rein in and gain control of our flesh, when we focus on our flesh and our sins and try to stop them. It can't be done. Why not? Because our flesh remains a slave to the law of sin. Even though we're a new creation, we have not been given the ability to control or stop our flesh. As Romans chapter 7 verse 18 says, for to want to do good is present within me, but the ability to bring about that which is right is not. And if we're already walking in the flesh, we certainly have no reasonable expectation of dealing with it by ourselves. In Messiah, we are slaves of God but our flesh still has its own master. So what can we do when we're in sin or the flesh? How do we get back to God? By remembering who it is who really owns us. Rather than trying to gain control over our flesh, we must instead enslave ourselves to God. This is a spiritual war, and we have to pick a spiritual side. We have to order our lives by the Spirit, setting our minds on the things above, and submitting our wills to God's Word. 
Just as we can't save ourselves from sin, we also can't defeat our flesh. Only God can do that. Yes, we still have to exert spiritual effort to resist temptation. Yes, we still have to put off our old self and crucify our flesh with our passions and desires. But those efforts only work if we're walking in the Spirit, if we're following after Messiah. The flesh will never stop trying to satisfy itself, but a direct assault on it cannot accomplish our goal. Our only defense is to actively enslave ourselves our thoughts, and our will to God, to keep our eyes fixed on Him and to let His Spirit take the lead. As Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 17, walk in the Spirit and the desire of the flesh you will not bring to its goal. For the flesh desires contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit contrary to the flesh. For these are opposed to one another so that the things that you want These you may not do. Hallelujah. Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 and 2 says, Oh, the happiness of him whose violation is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Oh, the happiness of a man to whom Adonai ascribes no guilt and in whose spirit there is no deceit. If you've confessed with your mouth that Yeshua is your master and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then I have some really good news for you. Now that you're in Messiah, you're a new creature. The old things have passed away. Your violations have been forgiven. Your guilt has been paid for. You've been cleansed of your old sins and they will be remembered no more. No matter the intentions of your heart or how many times you've previously gone astray, in Messiah, you no longer have to live forever with the consequences of your former life lived in sin. But if you're in Messiah, and you're still struggling with your flesh and falling into sin. It's because your flesh is still sin's slave, and there's nothing you can do about it. If you're ever going to crucify your flesh, doing battle with it is not the answer. Instead, you need to change your thinking. Don't try to control your flesh, but turn and start making your way back to God. If you're truly walking in the Spirit, then the occasional stumble won't stop your momentum. Ask him for forgiveness, then just keep walking in humility and gratitude. But if sin is still normal and habitual for you, then it's time to get right with God once and for all. You need to come clean with him and confess your sins. Then approach his throne of favor in full assurance of forgiveness. Because as James teaches us, if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Wake up, avert your eyes, hold back your hands and feet. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of the Messiah. Let your mind be set not on the things of the flesh, but let it be of the spirit, which is truth, holiness, and life. Know and obey the word of God and follow his path to righteousness and peace. It's time to stop missing God. Stop going the wrong way and change direction. Turn back toward him and in the spirit, start walking because you are no longer a slave to sin. In Messiah, you are free. Now make yourself a slave to God.
Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom.